If you're just joining us today, we've been talking about estate planning as it pertains to the family cabin. And we're going to be talking about how it may pertain to the family farm or business as well. The kind of strategies you should be aware of in order to protect your asset and mitigate taxes. I'm Wayne Nelson, and you're listening to Talk to the Experts. My guests today are Sherry McMillan and Paul Lindsay from McMillan Estate Planning. A reminder that the McMillan team will be hosting a virtual webinar on Wednesday, July 19th at 6.30 p.m. to talk with you about estate or life planning. To register, contact McMillan Estate Planning. The number is one 266 6464 during weekday office hours, or go to the website at macmillanestate.com. That's Macmillan, spelled M-A-C-M-I-L-L-A-N. Sherry, just before the break, we were talking about the uh, appreciation of the value of the cabin and how a trust can be beneficial in that aspect. Yeah, so we often will use a trust in many situations. Cottage is one of them for sure, the cabin. Uh, We use them also in farm and we use them in family business. But what happens in our estates, generally speaking, is although we don't have inheritance tax in Canada, we have something called a capital gains tax that occurs. And when we die, it's like we've cashed out our estate in the eyes of Canada Revenue Agency all in one calendar year. It's like cha-ching, they're going to come in and take their percentage of tax you have not yet paid. And it's all added together all at once. So you're obviously forced into the highest tax bracket. So one of the incentives of using trust planning is we can start pushing back on Canada Revenue Agency by pushing them out of our future growth in our estate planning. So today, if we freeze the value of our estate, that family cottage at a million, and it appreciates to two million before we die, we don't have to pay income tax on the additional million of growth. And as I mentioned, that can mean you can keep the cottage or not keep the cottage because if you have to forego, you know, basically 25% of the cottage value, can you afford to keep it as a family unit? So that's why we use these tools like trust as a legacy tool because they're an ability to keep that asset going generation after generation in your family. All right. And Paul, I had mentioned earlier that uh, it it depends on where the cabin or, or cottage is located because there are different jurisdictions. A perfect example would be um, how estates are are uh, rated, prorated, or evaluated in BC. Yeah, indeed, Wayne. Um, perhaps we should start by just saying that if you if your cabin is in, in in Alberta from a probate perspective, it will simply fall within our estate, and we're paying the provincial government just over five hundred dollars to probate it. Now, as you say, if that cabin is is held in British Columbia or indeed some of the other provinces here. The, the provincial government then will charge your estate a percentage of the value of the cabin. So in BC, it's about 1.4%. And what that means is that for every million dollars of value, our estate would have to pay $14,000 a probate fee. Now, of course, if the cabin in this case is held inside a trust, it doesn't have to be probated. And ultimately, if we're not probating, therefore we are not subject to that fee. So that is just another benefit of having the the cabin held inside a trust. So let's continue this discussion around what you call, Sherry, succession planning within an estate. And we've talked about the family cabin, of course, but what other situations really lend themselves to succession planning? Well, I think, you know, for the most part, our families have multi-million dollar estates. And the moment you have wealth 
and you're not going to spend all that wealth in your lifetime, then you need to consider succession planning because there's no benefit to you to let that particular estate continue to grow and continue to grow along with a tax burden associated with it each calendar year. And so one of the unique opportunities we have in Canada is something called an estate freeze. And we basically evaluate our asset base today, whether that be a cottage, whether it be a farm, whether it be a business. And we say, okay, you know, my estate today is worth five, 10, 30 million. If it doubles in my lifetime, I'm not going to pay tax on that appreciation while it doubled. I'm going to pay the tax to date when I pass on. So we don't trigger it today. We still wait until we die. But what we're not doing is we're not paying twice the tax because our estate has doubled. And so farm is one of the big ones that Paul and I are often looking at. Sure, because farm families typically are multi-generational, aren't they? Yeah, exactly, Wayne. I mean, if we go back to that concept of a cabin and, and people really love the idea of the, the, the cabin staying in the family for, for generations to come, that's a very similar concept to a farming family where those that, that are farming at the moment would would like to succeed the farm to the next generation but when they're doing that they're very mindful of the fact that they don't want that succession to interfere with the farming operation or indeed trigger any any significant tax liability so with that in mind in the context of 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 farms and there are a few conditions i'm afraid that that cra impose but it is possible to pass farming assets to the next generation on uh, what is known as a, as a as a rollover basis. So essentially, when we move those assets, we're not paying tax at that point. And that's assuming, of course, that the next generation wants to continue the farming operation. And that's a whole other can of worms. That's exactly right, Wayne. It's and and indeed that is the factor. We have to be we have to be moving that farming asset from a family who are actively farming at the moment to the next generation who will actually continue the operation as well. Sherry, business, small business, I guess, would uh, would fall into this succession planning as well. Yeah, they say it takes us, Wayne, just out of uh, an interesting study, they say it takes us 15 years to transfer our wisdom in our family businesses to the next generation and have it carry on in a successful way. In fact, only 15% of family businesses do succeed to the next generation, sadly. And I think it's a lack of preparation for the most part in many instances. So what we find is the clients that do retain Macmillan, they really do have that desire that their family business is a continuation from one generation to the next. And so when we're planning in that way, we actually include the children that are actively involved in the business with mom and dad because they have to glean all of that wisdom that's often not documented it's sitting upstairs in the business owner's mind. Yeah, and you'd, you'd want to sit down with the children uh, as, as, as well as the parents to find out exactly what the wishes are from, from each party. That's right. And one of the things about succeeding your business is usually you've created your estate where predominantly your wealth is situated in your family business or family farm. So you're going to have to rely upon that particular asset pool for your retirement income. So it's not as, uh, is, as easy as it sounds. You can't just transfer it to your children. Then you're not protected for retirement because often your nest egg is tied up in that particular kind of asset. Sure. So what we use often, as Paul may mention, is we do use trusts and we do it very specifically because what we can't have is we can't have outside risk associated with that asset, that family business, that's going to provide you and your partner retirement plans. We can't have it jeopardized by maybe your children going through a divorce, for example. And we can't have it jeopardized to income tax. And we can't have it jeopardized to lawsuits. And so we have to build a very protective stance around it because succession is 
decades and decades into the future. And so you have to be very mindful of all the kinds of risks that could be associated with that particular asset base. And we have a a case in Edmonton that just, um, to me, is exactly what not to do. It was a family business, and the accountants at the time thought it was good tax planning to add the children to the business by giving them shares. And we never recommend that because it opens up the can of worms of if your child goes through a divorce, then they have to share the wealth of that family business in a divorce situation. And so this poor family uh, had done this transaction in this way, thinking they were doing some tax planning. And one of the children went through a divorce, and this business is very prominent in Edmonton. Again, one of the reasons why you need to sit down with the with a team at McMillan. And the McMillan team will be hosting a virtual webinar Wednesday, July 19th at 6.30 p.m. to talk with you about estate or life planning. Call 1-833-266-6464 during weekday office hours or visit the website for more information at macmillanestate.com. Sherry McMillan and Paul Lindsay from McMillan Estate Planning are my guests today and we'll be back with more on Talk to the Experts.